you're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network one of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions we do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads but on a case-by-case basis if you're interested in that contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Hooray! Delicious Volume 1, Life Tastes Good, is finally at Amazon United States. What is delicious, you ask? Imagine a land where all your favorite foods live as human girls. Here in charming a la carte, under the floating city of heavenly delight, we meet Ramen, a young cook trying to run a restaurant with her family of pastas as they end up in all sorts of wacky adventures and hijinks as these strong, eccentric characters pursue their dreams and passions. Delicious is a beautifully drawn comedy series, which is now finally available to buy in the United States. Click on the banner on one of us, order today, and join in the fun now, because Delicious Volume 2, Yum Yum Yum, is coming really soon. A perfect gift for your child, or those of you who are forever young at heart. One of us strongly recommends this one. Digital noise is here. Digital noise has always been here in the back of your head, waiting, watching. Digital noise. Digital noise. Cerulean uh, blue. Cerulean blue. <laughs> it's an X Files reference for you nerds. <laughs> oh no! Do you think any of those joke gross guys listen to us? <laughs> Ew, nerds. <laughs> Ew. So we have so many titles to review this week, and my apologies to everyone that we're probably going to be rushing a bit more than usual just to get through all of them, because you guys don't want a three-hour podcast, I assume? Um, I don't know. I think I have a lot of fans, Chris, and you- <laughs> Do you, though? You have some. And uh, yeah. and so, you know, listening to me for three hours would be like, oh, it, this is a gift. My wife has more fans than I do now, and it makes her very uncomfortable. She has uncomfortable. A, she's obsessed with a Matt Berry, the, the the guy from What We Do in the Shadows, oh, yeah. and Toast of London. But turns out, not because of that stuff, because he has a music career. Mm-hmm. So she started the first ever. There is no other Matt Berry music podcast, and now it's actually kind of huge. And like, and she's very. She did it because she just wanted to do it with some friends she knew online. Right, 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 right. And now they've got like. A couple like several thousand listeners who are like obsessed with it and constantly are commenting and asking stuff and now they have the musicians from his band v- g- contacting them going like hey i want to be on this podcast chris with you. Can, can i be on her pod- podcast so i can promote my podcast <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> did you buy one of the matt berry records i do i oh, did you did i can fucking talk what, about the, one, the shit. wolf hour i don't fucking know i don't listen uh, to this shit anyway it's uh, called obsessed and so obscure if you're interested um i I think Matt Berry is a very talented musician for people who like that sort of thing. I think he's great. Yeah. In fact, people who listen to her show should definitely listen to Trash in the Can on oneofus.net. <laughs> it's a great show where Eric Samaniego and Wright Sulu talk about bad movies 
so you don't have to. It's true. That is a great show. That's one of the shows I'm actually most proud to have on the One of Us Network. I am very proud for you, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's talk about this show, which is Digital Noise. We review home releases, and we got, like I said, a lot to go through. So let's just get into it. I'm sorry we don't have time to talk about your recent experiences. Like when you beat the shit out of Alex Jones, that was awesome. There's a crowd of like several hundred people who were applauding you on as you like literally straddled him and just started punching him in the face repeatedly. That was amazing. But Thank no, you. we don't have time to talk I don't, about it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if, or, save it for next time. Or are you being cast in the new Breaking Bad 2 show as one of the lead characters? Yeah, That's I, really I beat amazing. up Brian Cranston. Turns and out I was he like, did not die at the end of that show. And, he didn't. You know, yeah. yeah. And but you uh, were like straddling him and just punching him in the face over and over I was again. like thinking, is like, okay, I got to get Alex Jones. I yeah. got to get Brian Cranston and next on my list fucking Joe Biden or your deleted scene from the brand new Spielberg movie the Fablemans where you're just like on top of Steven Spielberg as a teenage years just straddling him and punching him in the face well, repeatedly so like Seth Rogen was talking about in behind the scenes of that that uh you know he'd go behind camera and, and Steven Spielberg was weeping most of the time that was because I fucking kicked him Oh, is, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a yeah. lot of sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Not because he's living, reliving his traumatic life. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, <laughs> we're not going to start the show. <laughs> we are, in fact, reviewing a Spielberg-ish <coughs> film today, but that's not what we're starting with. We're going to start with just animation. To start with because we got three animated films to discuss. That's true. And we're gonna we're gonna go through those, and the newest one is Batman and Superman: Battle of the Super Sons. The oh my god, really? Forty ninth direct-to-video home installment of the DC Universe animated original really films. that many? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I would say they're over half good. Over half of them are good. And you know what? I've only seen two. Yeah? No, well, the two know. we have today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I like the Super Sons in the comics from what I've read. We're talking about Superman's son, uh, Jonathan Kent, named after his adopted father. That tracks. And Damian Wayne. I know Damian. Yeah. I know that he's a dick. Damian's better known because he's been around longer. He was oh, the okay. son he had with... The, Italia al Ghul. Italia al Ghul, the, the daughter of the son of the demon, you know. Who? The, the Raz al Ghul. There's a Raz now? Oh my God, Josh. You knew this. Anyway, he's kind of a little ah, dick, sweet. Damien, because he was raised initially in the... As an assassin. As an assassin. The, yeah. yeah. Like a, the League of Shadows. Exactly. But then Batman basically was like, would like tell you, it's like, here's your son, take it. He's, I can't do anything with it. Which I would like to know the, that handoff from Talia. Like, How that went. Oh my gosh. The, I can't handle him. He's like, he's eight years old now and he's such a piece of shit. Well, I mean, this has two stories going on, really. It has yeah. the relationship between the just meeting Jonathan Kent and Damian Wayne, voiced by Jack Dylan Grazer and Jack Griffo, respectively, who are not immediately taken with each other. No, <laughs> Damian is a dickhole. Yeah, and, and uh, Jonathan Kent is like... When we first meet him, he hasn't gotten any powers yet, yeah. but we're meeting him as it's just starting to manifest and which uh, Superman and Lois are just unclear. It's even going to happen because he's, he's half human, half Kryptonian. Is he ever going to get powers? Right. It right. starts to do. And then they're like, okay, well, it's time we told you, which I don't know how they kept it hidden. Your dad is Superman. Yeah. It's like, it, oh, so sorry. Spoiler. Spo <laughs> spoiler. Spoiler. Clark Kent is Superman. You fucking nerds. Uh, but I liked that it uh, you get to see the kind of like the stuff that we don't normally get to see, except for, I guess, the Man of Steel movie of Clark and I guess Smallville. But uh, Clark, uh, you know, discovering his powers mm -hmm. where you could see that in John, Jonathan. And uh, I was like, ah, that's kind of cool because yeah. I thought a lot of it was like done really well. The animation is 
different than I was seeing in a lot of the other DC I stuff. I really liked the animation in this. I did too. Yeah, it's a very different style it's, look to it. And it's it. really crisp. Yeah. Because it's not like cell shaded like... A lot of it's been going for the cell shaded look recently. But, it, but not... not crazy like yeah. the new like Zelda games or something like that. Right, right, right. Like a, but it's... It's not a bad story. I think the title is highly misleading. And it's, well, because it says Batman and Superman first, and you're like, you know what? They're not in it a lot. No. I mean, Batman didn't even appear to like the 27 minute mark or something, and then he's barely in it after that. So if you're watching this more for Batman and Superman, guess what? It's more about the Super Sons. But what I really liked about this was that, first off, one of my favorite like C-list villains that back in the 60s was an A-list villain, but then people were like, that's dumb, uh, which is Starro, which we saw recently appear in re- great effect yeah. in The Suicide Squad. Like People were like, whoa, that's really cool. I mean, and they're taking this shit seriously. And they this turns into kind of a horror thing because Starro is honestly horrifying. He's like a zombie creator, and it gets brutally violent at points. Like, I-, I was surprised <laughs> even in this where there are points where just like fuck me this is kind of like intense for an animated movie yeah no i mean i I feel like it takes a while to get there though i'll say that a little bit yeah i mean mean, they they really want to play up the 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 conflict between damien and jonathan and damien kind of like Damien has such a chip on his shoulder that he's just like okay john and like you don't know shit and you're like you're barely a super boy and uh, and Jonathan is kind of bright eyed because he's like, holy shit, my dad's Superman. I'm so excited. I want to follow in his footsteps. And the Damien's like, yeah, my dad's Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even sure. I think it's cool. So whatever. Yeah. I'm cool, though. He's just mad because the Teen Titans have rejected him because let's face it. He's a jerk. He That's kind of the whole Damien thing. He's, yeah, he's a dick. He, we're watching this character who I suspect someday DC is going to do a thing where he really grows up and understands the what it, what it means to be Batman because someday he's going to be Batman. Sure. You know, I mean, you would think he's the only actual genetic... I mean, it should be Nightwing, but still. Nightwing is better off as Nightwing. Nightwing's pretty cool. I was just told recently that the run of Nightwing going on now in comics is the best it's ever been. Really? That it's just... Martin Thomas was telling me it's just tremendously good right well, now. Well, Martin, I'll tell you this. If you listen to the show, you don't I will read, never read it. You don't read comics, I know. I read comics. I've read... You read... You, you read the the hipster stuff that when Rolling Stone does a bit on the best five comics to read, you're like, I've read Watchmen. <laughs> look, look. You read that article too? Yeah, well, <laughs> Every year. Every year. <laughs> anyway, this is basically fun. It's, it's... I don't wow, think, that's a that's a pull quote for the show. It's like it's basically fun. I, the last half of it is much better than the first half of it in my mind, but the animation is the reason to come and stay. It's it's uh, really a new look for these things. They've never tried anything that looks just like this. I mean, there've been a few yeah. experiments away from the sort of house style uh, over the years, like Batman Ninja and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. See, it reminded me of something else. I've seen clips of other movies, and it yeah, it. It, I like the style. It works for it. Yeah. No, it, it is definitely refreshing to see them be more like even the stuff where they're trying to do representations of previously existing like famous comic books mm-hmm. and trying to ape that style to some deal. Mm-hmm. You still feel like it's just a variation on the house style. Mm-hmm. And this is feels like it's not. It's like this is a very different look to it. Yeah. And uh, there's a two desk uh, disc, disc set. It is available on 4K or on Blu-ray. Uh, and the, the 4K a, looks amazing. It really does. Yeah. There's a 14 and a half minute rival sons, Jonathan and Damien, in case you like probably many people are unfamiliar with their history in the comics. This is where you can go and say, Hey, here's That's where they came I learned from. about them. Yeah. And then there's 
one of the things I like about this is that this whole series of discs from them is that I don't own Batman the Animated Series. I wish I did. Because mm. it's one of the greatest animated shows ever it really made. It is, yeah. Uh, and I have so many of the episodes because of my collection of every single one of oh, these 49 right. things. Oh, that's right. Anytime I watch, like, the, even the next one, it has, like, a couple of they, Two-Face episodes. They always have, like, stuff from previously existing, like, <clears throat> animated, like, episodes. Either that or Justice League Unlimited mm-hmm. or, like, really good stuff. And this has the Demon's Quest Part 1 and Part 2 from the animated series, which are really, really good episodes of that show involving yeah. Ra's al Ghul and what have you. But yeah, this is pretty solid. And speaking of DC animated uh, movie releases that are based on classic comic books, we also get now the, which to their credit, they told when they put out part one and part two originally at Batman the Long Halloween, that they would eventually release them in just a complete edition on 4K, which now we have the Long Halloween Deluxe Edition. Which we already watched part one and part two for this show. Yeah. And it was kind of like, again, okay. But I'll be honest. I kind of liked it more the second time when I could sit and watch it straight through. Sure. You know, like uh, it was frustrating having the split between them. Now, this is almost three hours long. Yeah. It's very long. But, you know, as much as I dislike Jeff Loeb as a writer, this is probably the best thing he ever did write uh, in comics. Yeah. And it's a solid story that is very reminiscent of the last couple things that have happened in Batman live action and that it really involves the detective work, the detective work, the mafia being involved. It's also sort of like a, feels like a younger Batman in some ways. Yeah. I like how the, even the new Batman films are really trying to involve the mafia to like ground it. It, Cause, but it's funny now because now more than ever, like you don't really hear of the mob or the mafia. Like we know they exist in the, in the real world, but like, it feels like, man, Gotham has a really fucking bad problem <laughs> because basically it's always Scorsese's Batman, which by the way, why hasn't that been done? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, because and, Scorsese hates which, superhero. Yeah, movies, so. <laughs> right. But it, it feels like this, every Batman movie and show, if they involve the mob is like always stuck in like the sixties and seventies when the mob was really fucking bad in like yeah. New York. Uh, and but this so, modernizes it all. It makes it feel like, oh, this is a Batman really came of age in like the 90s or something. Sure. Yeah. 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 And that's that's a good thing because yeah. I don't want to think Batman now is like 80. <laughs> Leave that to uh, uh, Frank Miller. Although I was still waiting for someone to do a book where it's like, like we were talking about earlier, like Damien. Hey, it's modern day. Batman really is like 80 because, you know, he started what he did. And like he's been batman for a few years and bruce wayne is still around and maybe has a touch of dementia (laughs) it would be interesting to finally because you know you they do this with comics they do this with tv shows and definitely animated shows where no one grows up yeah and so you know comics have to reinvent the character every decade or so to like oh now it's the 90s now it's the you know 2000s you can see that's what's happening in marvel right now with their attempt to bring the the creation of all the younger versions of characters yeah. into the comics, which has been going on for God, 20 years now. But now the MCU, the live action ones are adopting that and bringing these characters into it mm-hmm. and realizing that actors get old and they don't right. want to play the same part forever. So unless we need you're people to Hugh ad- Jackman, we need people to adapt and adjust unless you're Hugh Jackman, of course. Anyway, this though, uh, it is early days of Batman is basically a sequel to Batman year one. It's basically Batman year two. It's basically the Batman. Yeah. Uh, and well, I mean, sort of. Not He's not really. all, all like emo and like listening to like 
old Nirvana like B-sides <laughs> and stuff. Uh, <laughs> tell that to uh, who plays Batman in this again? It's Jekylls and in yeah Jensen Ackles from Jensen Supernatural, Ackles. who I think he not only was born cool, to voice Batman, great Batman. Like I mean, no disrespect to the great Kevin Conroy, the legendary, the best Batman who ever was. I'm sorry to all you guys who are like who. He was the voice of Batman, Batman animated series. If he, you fucking nerds don't know who goddamn Kevin Conroy is. Amazing and an amazing human being. Yeah. You yeah. know, just like, just a great guy. Mm-hmm. But who just passed away recently. Uh, the It feels like if I was going to say say to anyone to pass a torch for the voice, it would be Jensen Ackles, who seems to really get, get it. Yeah. And has the natural gravelly tones, but no. also can get the emotion of the character. That and he does a great Bruce Wayne. Like, yes. that's what Kevin Conroy did very well, is he can and switch from Batman to Bruce Wayne. I'm just going to throw this out here. Uh, I wouldn't be offended if someone wanted to do live action Jensen Ackles Batman either. That would be pretty cool. Because he has the look as well. He does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Josh. Do I can never pronounce his last name. Do very, do It's pronounced Dumas. <laughs> uh, Josh Dumal. Uh, <laughs> it's Dumas. <laughs> uh, he is also great as Harvey Dent. Well, yeah, he's, he's becoming like a like because he's a very handsome actor. Yeah, and him being a voice actor now, I'm seeing more and more. He's going to be in the new Callisto Protocol video game that's coming out soon. I don't know what that is. Well, that's because you're a fucking nerd. Wait, uh, I'm a nerd because I don't know. <laughs> everyone about the that new I'm game. getting frustrated at is a fucking nerd. Um, but he, I've seen him doing more and more voiceover work, and he's not too shabby either yeah well he is playing like you said uh harvey dent and this could have been called batman the birth of harvey dent or of two-face because this really yeah, is yeah. ultimately at its core emotionally it's really about how this guy who was a dedicated uh, uh da of the city who really wanted to fight against crime you know basically fell into his own worst instincts and ended up becoming one of batman's greatest villains mm-hmm. which you know really doesn't happen till the very very end but like it's an emotional journey uh, right. as far as that character goes and watching his relationship with his wife deteriorate and like it's it's interesting Who's the most mod wife i've ever seen yeah, in is. a batman thing but then again a lot of the i mean a lot of this is taken directly from the comic which i remember reading years and years ago after i watched or because uh, rolling stone had it on their list yeah they had that and, yeah. and Watchmen and uh laughing joe or the uh, the last what is it called the laughing joe yeah. the laughing make thing? my point for me the killing joke. The killing joke. There yeah. you go. Uh, whatever that bullshit is. <laughs> read, read Alan Moore and you'll be fine. Yeah, there's a lot of character. Like everything, everything, every, bleh, every time that uh, Jeff Loeb does a major character series, mm-hmm. it's always like, well, I'll make this work by having like it just be a cavalcade of like villains that appear in it. And sure enough, this is. A cavalcade of villains appear <laughs> in it as well. Right, right. Like you get Catwoman, you get the Joker, you get Calendar Man, voiced by recent favorite of fans, David Dast Malchian, who played. Uh, it's pronounced Dumas. Dumas, <laughs> who was just in the Suicide Squad as well. What was this? Polka Dot Man. Polka Dot Man. Yeah, he was also uh, what's his face in uh, Weird, the uh, part of Queen. And um, you, you have Solomon Grundy, you know, who is actually really like an empathetic character here. You're he like, is. He's a sad, he's like sad Hulk. He's sad Hulk. Uh, I never understood him. Like my, my friend Rhett tried to describe him like, he's like sad or like weird Frankenstein. Like, yeah. Huh? And, uh, and then reading him was like, what? And then seeing this and like, 
Okay. Uh, People who write him best write him as sort of like sad Frankenstein. And because that's his whole thing. I mean, he's basically a zombie who can't die. I mean, he can die, but then he's just reborn again. And he's Solomon Grundy. Born on a Monday. Born on a Monday. Tuesday. Something else that happened on Tuesday. Circumcised on a Tuesday. Saturday. 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 (laughs) But you get the Mad Hatter. You got the Scarecrow. You got Poison Ivy. A lot of people. Um, yeah, uh, if you're interested in a cavalcade of characters, they're all here. But ultimately, it's about a murder mystery here and a well-told and surprising mm-hmm. murder mystery about who is killing off all the members of the Falcone family, which, you know, I mean, obviously, everybody involved who are good guys have mixed feelings about. But still, yeah, they're kind of like, all right. And they're only murdering people on holidays. So yeah. the villain is called by the press holiday, which is a great name. Yeah. Yeah. Is a great name. And I mean, of course, in the end, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. It like, it reminds me of, um, like all the episodes with Two Face in the animated series, uh, were always just like stunners because it was, because, uh, uh, Two Face was voiced by Bull from Night Court. Oh, uh, Richard Mall. Yeah. Who's uh, so good. And then, like, when you get to see all these different, variations of his like basically his sanity slipping even more yeah. like the judge episode yeah. when he plays a third identity which is like jesus christ this is adding so many layers to this character and but anytime that like bruce wants to like see harvey uh, like he's like oh bruce you've always been there for me and, like there's that one episode in the animated series when he's like trying to still save harvey dent mm-hmm. i'm like god damn it this show's fucking good and you get to see that because you forget that I don't think the Dark Knight did that ve- that relationship very well. But the this, Dark Knight is not trying to be re- re- uh, representative of the comics. I don't no, think. no. But like that's the one thing I wish it did is to show the friendship between them because you see that in this and you see that in the animated series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a key to Two Face being an interesting character. No, I think they did really an alternate version of that in the Dark Knight that mm-hmm. still worked. Where you're like, here's a good man who fell, mm-hmm. and I think they sold that. I think it was like the more of the point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, this new release here does, in fact, lose some extras from the two uh, separate parts. Inclu- <laughs> so you got to get all three. Well, not necessarily because there were two of the uh, the shorts, Blue Beetle and the Losers, which they've since re-released as. We now know they do with uh, the once a, every two years or so they put out. Well, here's just the set of like all the shorts that you may have missed if you met, if you didn't buy something yeah, right, recently. Right, right. The, the Constantine one that came out had like a selection of all the shorts you missed. Oh, it's like here's one bonus new one and then all the little stuff you missed, yeah. including those. And as well as they they cut out the making of part two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but it has a new extra called the long halloween the evolution of evil which is like about 25 minutes long um so you know i mean you get something extra ultimately i don't care that much about the bonus features unless they're like knock it out of the park awesome right you know and this comes with all the extra stuff that was with those uh especially from the vault as we said before vintage episodes of batman the animated series christmas with the joker being one of the ones i'm like come uh. on that's a, such a good one. It's such a good one. That's such a good one. <laughs> I love that. But the last one we're doing for animation this week is Mortal Kombat Legends Snowblind. I, who just couldn't give less of a shit about Mortal Kombat. I mean, like, I'm not dissing it. I'm just saying it just never really was well, my thing. Did you did you like fighting games? 
uh, like if did you ever play fighting at like Street Fighter and shit like that? When the original PlayStation came out, I right. was really into. Uh, did like, you play in arcades? Like before? Tekken? No, I never really liked the arcade stuff as much. Oh, okay. But Tekken Two was like a big deal for me. Sure. And what was the one that was this came out around the same time where you? But it was weapon oriented. Was it Killer Instinct? Or no, 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 no. Um, I did like Killer Instinct. Though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was another one that was like and people are yelling right now, like it's this. I'm like I forgot. You anyway. Fucking nerds. Anyway, I liked it for a little while, but then as I got older, I was like, um, this takes a reflex action that I just don't not capable of anymore. Look, I have to admit something. I I like fighting games every now and then, but I am terrible at terrible. That. No, I cannot remember any of them. When moves. I had an ex girlfriend who was beating me by just smashing her hand into the controller, yeah. when I had memorized that's, moves, that's I was how, like, I'm "Oh, you memorized? Oh my god, I'm I can do it to save my fucking life. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. put a gun in my head. I'm like, I will die. Actually, oh, get but, over here. And also, like outside of the first movie, which is good only in a sort of like grudgingly, this is big dumb fun, good, you sure. know, and has a terrific theme song and also one of my favorite dumb endings ever <laughs> the, uh, that whole like the big monster comes up and they go huh! oh they and do the freeze frame credits yeah, yeah it does the same thing in the street fighter movie it's great yeah it's uh, great not in the street fighter movie but it's great here what well, they do in the street fighter movie too with like because everyone like poses and does a freeze frame oh, but it doesn't have as good as a theme song oh that's very correct yeah it's, it's very important yeah there. the music in mortal kombat the movie is great but this but movie let me tell is you, the uh, warner brothers recent three animated the mortal kombat legend series have all been like Hey, do you like Mortal Kombat, especially for the super ridiculously over-the-top gory parts? Well, we got a treat for you. Right. I'll be honest, those last two that they made um, were fucking badass. I didn't see them. Oh, they're like, wow, this is like super horror movie gory. Like people ripping people apart in slow motion, like right down the middle oh, and stuff. maybe I did see one of them. They're, we reviewed the last one on Digital Yeah, it wasn't uh, uh, Johnny Cage in one of them? Yeah, no, he was in the last two, which were directly connected. Mortal Kombat uh, Legends Battle of the Realms was the, pre- was the previous one. Mm. Mortal Kombat Legends Snowblind is basically the Logan of Mortal Kombat. It, it feels like an alternate like future where yeah, they just it's Logan. It's yeah. Logan. It's definitely Logan. And I, I kinda like that is that it just like you know what? What if Sub Zero was an old man, yeah, and he didn't like to be Sub Zero, like uh huh. And there was some new guy. Okay. And the bad guys won. And the bad guys won. And you know what? Let's make it Mad Max. Everything's kind of post apocalyptic. It's Mad Max. You know, there are heroes out there, but they're just kinda not really wanting to be heroes anymore. They're just hiding out and stuff. And then, there's no like no heroes in it at all, except for Sub Zero and what's his face, the new guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, like they're there. They're just like there's no fighting this. We're just gonna keep hitting. And so like it follows a new a guy who's like who's the new guy coming in. I'm a badass, and he beats up a bunch of the bad you know villains Guys, coming there's in there's like C- Cyrus or something uh like all the like the like Mortal Kombat 3 or 4 and on like all the other ancillary characters that weren't original 8 characters I'm like <laughs> I, I I don't know who they are if you know who they are nerds then comment below well, the but main, like the main bad guy is Kano Kano, Kano? Kano. Yeah. yeah he's like become like a what's the guy from uh, Mad Max uh, Fury Road oh, uh, um, uh, uh, uh yeah, he's become that guy. Yeah, he's become a uh, a Morton Joe. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and he's he's Australian too, in it too, which is funny. But you know, it's voiced by it's voiced by by uh, it's the only like famous it's person, David in Wenham. It. Yeah, David Wenham. Yeah, which is crazy. Who is Faramir in Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
so yeah, and he's uh, basically searching for every last outpost in the wasteland that he doesn't have control over. That's right. his deal. Sending his like minions out uh, who are not familiar minions in the game, I guess. Uh, like, I one of them is the dreadlock of, guy. Yeah, yeah. But the rest of them are kind of new characters. I guess, I guess so. I have no idea. But I haven't played the games enough to to know for sure. Um, but the you've got this younger guy, like I said, who who is like. Oh, I'm I'm a badass. I'm not afraid of anybody who initially like kicks a bunch of their ass, but then gets ass kicked by his big mini magma lava menu. man, lava man. Which I'm like, Ey. but he gets saved by Sub Zero, who's now just a who is the Logan character. Which you don't know. It's Sub Zero. The very I mean, we Come all know on, it's Sub Zero. We, we all know it's yeah. Sub Zero. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because like, why else would we be fucking watching this movie? Yeah, he's like, I don't get involved in that shit anymore. I don't do this anymore. But then gets drawn back into it and does, in fact, do this some more. And, you yeah. know, I, I this is a simplistic story. It's very predictable. But the gore is fucking over the top fantastic. It's great. It's not as crazy as I thought it was going to be. And I have to admit something. I did not like the animation style in this. It's. Be- it's simplistic. It's again. simplistic, but it's also kind of choppy. Like the frame rate was weird. You know what it reminded me of? Heavy Metal 2000. Oh, wow. I've like, never th- actually bothered to watch that. Oh, well. I don't think. Uh, uh, well, it's not good. Uh, but it reminded me of the same kind of animation style. And it it just did not work for me. I I thought the look of it, quite honestly, was cheap. It's interesting they decided to, after the very well-received uh, last two animation installments of Mortal Kombat Legends, to go with a total side story of just like, yeah, this is this other thing. John, Johnny Cage isn't in it at all. No, barely anyone is in it. Like It's like Scorpion, uh, Kano, uh, Shang Tsung, and Sub-Zero are in it, and like that's it. And like maybe some, well, like some other ancillary characters, but like... It's it's totally it's it's a one off. It, it's like a what if episode. Uh, yeah, it is a what if. It's like like Logan, where you're like, right. well, this isn't necessarily how things end up, but right. it's like one future. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, it's a fun story. Like I liked it, and but I, I, I I really appreciated the fact it was willing to go there for the just ridiculous heavy gore again. Oh, As yeah. a gorehound, I was like at points you're like, oh, dude. <laughs> I mean. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed some of that stuff where, but again, I th- I just think that where it really falls flat is the, the animation itself. Yeah. Like the presentation of could it, be, like could have been better. It could have been way better. It felt like they couldn't afford frames. Uh, it's just like, fuck. Okay. Well, there's an audio commentary by the director, Rick Morales. Uh, there is adapting evil building the black dragon clan for about nine and a half minutes from the screenwriter, producer, and, director, and voice actor who did King Kano. Uh, there's Kenshi from the video game to Mortal Kombat Legends Snowblind, which is pretty much just a repeat of the things from the previous featurette, which, but that just takes the part out about Kenshi, who is the new young guy. And then deleted animatics from it, uh, which is like in storyboard form, stuff they cut out, but mm. I'm only watching in that version. Uh, that, yeah. I mean, I, does anybody actually watch those other than people who professionally do animation? You know what? I, don't know. I didn't. I didn't either. <laughs> All right, moving on from that, we're going to go from animation to some legends here. And that's to say, we were talking earlier about Spielberg, and we were talking about this film that Spielberg didn't direct quotes. You know, I don't know what the truth is here. I really really think that Toby Hooper directed Poltergeist. Yeah. He did. And then Spielberg was right on him saying, Toby, 
put the camera right there. I just feel like he was constantly standing behind him going, oh, what if you did that? That has to be like, that has to be so over, well, intense because you're Toby Hooper. You made like one good movie at that point, And I would argue two, two, sure. Uh, but the sequel of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, some say is even better than Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I would totally say that. <laughs> okay. Fair Texas enough. Chainsaw Massacre two is fucking a fantastic. horror comedy delight. It is amazing. <laughs> I only saw it like last year for the first time. It's so much fun. I could not believe how good that movie yeah, was. After you've been hearing shit on it for decades to find out it's actually a really cool yeah, it's movie. the most underrated. Like it's definitely better than the first one. Uh, but well, I'm not going to go that far. But for I me, I enjoy watching it more because well, it's yeah. so absurd. Well, and the, fun. The, the first one is like you don't really enjoy. Never mind. Anyway, so yeah, but like the, to do his career at this point because this is definitely just like we should give you a chance yeah, well, and then then they're like we don't really believe in you it does feel that way but i'll tell you both toby hooper spielberg and literally everyone ever involved in the production of this film has said no toby hooper was totally the director of this film which has to be not so... one person has ever stated i was on the set and it's clear that toby hooper didn't really direct this right. film. not one person that has to be so fucked to think that the way that he shot the movie is so reminiscent of a Spielberg movie. But that's true of almost every film that Spielberg pro- produced is heavily involved and, as yeah. the producer. You're always like, well, I mean, come on. First off, he's Spielberg. So you're like, I want to make Spielberg happy. And so, it's not like you're not going to do your research. Well, here's what <laughs> I think happened. Like Toby definitely directed it. But there was, I bet there's so many times when like Toby was just like, so Stephen, what do you think you would do there? And also, every notable sequence that people like are always like, "Oh, that's a thing I'm curious about." It's always Spielberg who has the thing to say about it, not Toby Hooper. You know, like the famous clawing off of the face scene, in yeah, there, yeah, which is the most awkward scene in the whole movie. I'm just gonna say, like, it's gory and cool looking, but it's the weird moment in the film that doesn't feel like it belongs in this movie. Well, that and feels that, kind of Spielberg. That, you know, it came from a nightmare he had had when he was a kid, apparently. Oh, Which I'm fuck. Sh- sad didn't appear in the fable. Why was that not in the fable <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Go there, goddammit. Exactly. But no, Poltergeist is an all-time... Paul Dano scraping his face off. Poltergeist is an all-time classic. It is one of the first films that I saw in the theater that scared me so bad Jesus, I could that old. barely handle it. Yeah, 1982. I was 12 years old. I went to go see it in the theater. You know how old I was? You were not alive. I was not alive. <laughs> <laughs> You weren't even a glimmer in your father's eye. No you weren't even, way. You hadn't even been processed in your father's nutsack yet. Nope, not at all. Ew, gross. Yeah. yeah you're basically yeah. a fetus to me. <laughs> <laughs> you're basically a vampire to me. But yeah, this is a legendary film and for good reason. Yes, there's some moments that in like are feel a little dated. But like Sam Rockwell and... Wait, what? Oh, oh, which... Wait, which Poltergeist are we talking about? Uh, we're not talking about the remake. Oh, was fuck. Rockwell in the remake? I don't remember. I only saw yeah, it the once. Yeah. I remember going, I mean, it's not like it's a terrible film or anything, but come on, you're remaking Poltergeist. I, did, I, didn't, if, wa- I didn't watch it. If you're going to remake Poltergeist, it better be better than Poltergeist. I, I didn't watch that movie. Yeah, well, it's not better than Poltergeist. No, it's not. One. Yeah. Um, Zelda Rubenstein, can we talk about her just real quick? Oh, is that a thing for you? Um, yeah. If I had I my way. I wondered what that centerfold was. <laughs> He has it pinned up in his bathroom. I was like, That's "It's life size. It's, un- oh, it's only four foot tall. <laughs> it's uncomfortable." <laughs> I mean, at the very least, it makes it easier not get an erection when you're peeing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a really big problem with getting erections while I pee. Like, oh, oh, here we go. Uh, that, 
It depends on what's on the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Zelda Rubenstein, I love her so goddamn much in this movie. Um, So I... This bathroom is clean. This bathroom (laughs) is clean. Also, I love the joke where she says, it's like, no, I should go. I'm her mother. She's like, Good point. <laughs> yeah. Yo, you're right. You go. You're right. You go. It's like, have you ever done this before? No. I, you know, I mean, like, despite a few awkward moments, in the time it came out, this was an absolute masterpiece of horror. It holds up today more than it doesn't. The way they did the effects here are God damn really it. impressive. God and, damn it. And so like, good looking. Just They're just beautiful. And at points haunting, there's a sequence that's sort of this beautiful sequence where the ghosts of all the people who are being trapped by the thing that's keeping them in the house the, oh, down the stairs. are coming down the stairs. Oh, it's so raising the hair on the back of my neck just talking about it because so it's good. just gorgeous. Or the scene where just they just had a wind machine fly at Joe Beth Williams and, oh. and she goes... She just felt her daughter go through uh, her. Carol Ann going yeah, through her. And yeah. her performance, it's just so beautiful and haunting. Everyone and, is acting the shit out of this B movie. Yeah. And, it, I mean, say what you will, like it, it is a, a B movie, but it because their performance is the way the shot by Toby Hooper, and, um, and just the effects, the practical effects, and the story itself, it's very simple. It, it is an A-plus movie. Yeah. And... Uh, and seeing it on 4K, 4K, where someone it paid looks attention, fucking amazing. I've been waiting for this movie to come out in 4K because the only copy I had before this was the old DVD, which I have watched the shit out of. I yeah. like like the point where I was afraid it was going to stop working. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love this movie. It just never doesn't creep me out. You know, what actually, the scariest moment in this whole film for me, which is really really strange, when the parents are smoking pot. What? No. <laughs> When uh, Joe Beth Williams turns around after pushing the chairs in on the kitchen table, oh, and the chairs and all are... the chairs are stacked to the ceiling suddenly, which isn't—I still don't know how they did that. So they carved a hole. Uh, this is how they did it. Oh, really? Yeah, they yeah. carved a hole at the—I think it's the base. My friend, we watched it together. On, we we watched these also these movies a long time ago, or at least I did. I watched this on Halloween. Uh, so they carved a hole at the. Um, at the base of the uh, the table and chairs, and they just brought it down. Like this was like on a fucking set, and they brought it down and they uh, moved all of them up at the same time. Like just like wheeled them all out. They're all connected. It was like one piece, and so so they could do that little effect of just like boop boop boop. It's a perfectly executed. It's sequence. great, and it's and without even needing a music sting, dude. It's fucking a terrifying moment. Because well, she's, where you're she, like, she's the a music mu- sting. It's yeah. like why don't horror movies do more of that? Like I always try to think about like when horror movies are doing things things right. When you see the threat right behind them yeah. and there's no music, that is vastly more terrifying than like da, da, da. I feel weird we haven't even described the plot but do we need to really do you not know the plot you of Poltergeist you fucking know what this goddamn movie is about to describe it like if you don't know the plot good trust us it's just a, watch it's it it's about Sam Rockwell who gets a uh a house. Uh, <laughs> no, not Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell's not in this? Yeah, you moved the actors to the tombstones. You didn't move the actors. Sorry. <laughs> I love that. So what's new here? Well, unfortunately, they still are keeping up with the Pizza Hut edit here, uh, which if you have a... Sorry? Very, no, if you have an early copy of this... 
there is a sequence about 34 minutes in uh, that's a jump cut that you're like, wait, what? That does, if you're really paying attention, feel like that's a weird cut. And it's because apparently there's a sequence where the kids talk shit about Pizza Hut pizzas as being crappy. And Pizza Hut pressured wrong. them to the point that I love Pizza Hut pizza. I'm sorry. I disagree with you. Uh, but so you're glad they cut apparently that. Pizza Hut said, um, yeah, that's what What can we do to make you change your mind? And that co- version of the cut, which was existing the pre uh existing blu-ray is still here they have not this is not a unexpurgated version but who gives a fuck quite frankly you know whatever i somebody gives a fuck but it's not me spielberg didn't have the power that he has today because he would have told like pizza hut i will fucking kill you like (laughs) i could do whatever the hell i want uh but uh, this is not a you know, this isn't not a cr- good movie. It's not the criteria. <laughs> shut up. It's not the it's not the Criterion edition. There's not a lot of bonus features here. In fact, yeah. what they have are just largely carryovers here, although carryovers that are very old, like the making of Poltergeist. It's only seven minutes and eighteen seconds, but it's never been released on disc before. Uh. It was like a a promo thing they were releasing for press, I guess, and it's the first time it's here, and it's you know it's okay, whatever. It's an old uh, piece, and then they're the really annoying thirty one minute. They are here, the real world of the poltergeists, which is just a two thousand seven documentary with a bunch of like total fakey psychic mediums of like yeah. it's all true, and you're like, oh my god, stop! All the the curses and all that shit, but people die, which I it's terrible, but like you're like okay, that's you're exploiting. This a child's death and this other child's death. Well, I mean, they're not even really going on about that here. I mean, like, certainly there have been things that did that. Shudder did a whole documentary series about the real story behind cursed Hollywood films, which Uh. in their credit... They went. This is probably all bullshit. Like, right, right. <laughs> they were very like cynical about it. I was like, okay, they just presented what the claims are, and they went, yeah, probably not. I must say that I do love uh, the villain in Poltergeist Two a lot more. The uh, villain is like legendary villain in Poltergeist Two. The movie is not great. No, it's not great. Yeah. But like Kane, the the walking like tall man from Phantasm, yeah, basically, yeah. it's like, reminiscent. Uh, he's like Caroline. It's like him crossed with the, the Robert Mitchum character from, from Night of the Hunter. From Night of the Hunter. Totally. Yeah, it's like that's exactly two, what it is. Those two characters fuse together. I never thought of that. I love Poltergeist Two more than Poltergeist. <laughs> no, you don't. No, it's just, just, it has two great two it. great things about it. It has that character, and then it has the scene where the dad pukes up the giant maggot. Oh yeah, and it, and <laughs> it's Kane. He's like, hey, and yeah, he like walks away. It's got cool practical effects, but it then really it gets cool. into weird new agey Native American stuff, and like for that, that's technically like awkward and feels very um, racist. Yeah, kind of racist. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really racist. Yeah, yeah but. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do love it when Kane says, Caroline. <laughs> Have you ever seen three? Oh, oh. it's awful. <laughs> with Sam Rockwell? Yeah. Ooh. No, not with Sam Rockwell. <laughs> but the same company also put out a brand new 4K of The Lost Boys, Ooh. which I know people love to the point past reason. I saw this again when it came out in 1987. I will also I was three years old. I will also say this is director Joel Schumacher Schumacher's probably the best film he ever made. Um, have you seen a little movie except, called? Hold on, let me do except the for joke. Maybe Tigerland. Oh, that's actually pretty good. Well, what about um the movie you did with Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, and Robert De Niro? Um, I forget. We're what's... no angels. No, it's not that. No, um, that's Ed, Ed, 
uh, Norris or Bob. oh fuck, I forget what's called. Uh, but oh, know. there's also this movie called Batman Robin that he did. Uh, that was uh, probably, <laughs> not good. It, it was released well, on Criterion. Well, actually, years ago. I will say, I honestly and unapologetically love DC Cab. Which is one of his first films. Oh, I've never with seen Mr. T. Joel Schuchmacher did DC Cab. That was one of his first films. What? He, he did The Incredible Shrinking Woman and then DC Cab. What? Yeah. And he did St. Elmo's Fire and The Client. Uh, oh, I love The Client. No, you don't. Uh, wait, what? And I do. Phone Booth, which is really good until like- the, at the end, which is like, that's dumb and makes no sense. Kiefer Sutherland's in that movie. Yeah, well, he worked with Kiefer Sutherland because of this movie where Kiefer Sutherland was really kind of still in it for 15 minutes, maybe. But he's a third man character where you're right. like, he is the most like mesmerizing character in the film. Yeah. He's the group leader of the group of vampires. Whenever he's on screen, he is really magnetic. It's kind of amazing that Sutherland's career didn't go more positively than it ended up going because he went through, uh, he, he went through a very long period of being in nothing but crap. And then sure. he got 24. Well, I was about to say, 24. which was a very big, like a big get. Like who knew that show was going to be as big as it was. I did. I watched it from day one. I, I watched, I'm embarrassed to say I've seen every episode of 24. <laughs> okay. I've only seen three seasons I've of 24. All of it. <laughs> I, I must say that show is kind of a banger. Yeah. Uh, even though it, it gets real schlocky it gets at times. really dumb, but yeah. like I still, I was stubborn. I step, I kept with it. I'm sorry. Kiefer is a great actor and him being angry is so intense. I'm not going to go with you that he's a great actor. I'll go with you that like what? in a certain type of role, he has a campy awesomeness that's amazing. He needs to be a character. And actor. I think here he has that. He is just yeah. dominating that campy awesomeness as a leader of this group of like alternative, like sort of punk vampire guys hanging around this California beach <laughs> town. <laughs> whereas you have uh, Jason Patrick in a very young role, who also is an actor I expected to be, mu- everybody expected to be much bigger than he was. Cause so you did watch, Jason Patrick. You watch this and you're like, man, that is a good looking dude. And he yeah. knows how to act. And like, I'm kind of shocked that his career didn't do more than it did. Uh, but like him, he's like the older brother with Dion Diane Weist. Diane Weist. I always have trouble with her name. Yeah. Really? Diane Weist. Do you have a Diane Weist thing going on? I love Diane Weist. Right, I, I, it's funny. Anytime I see this movie, I'm like, fucking Diane Weist is in goddamn Lost Boys. She's the mom, a single mom, and she's got uh, him Corey as the older Haim. brother. And Corey Haim come, comes in as like... Oh, I forget the other kid, but like who's like a local vampire hunter because they're like this town's infested. It's Corey vampires. Feldman and, uh, and oh no, I'm sorry, Corey Haim is the the, bro- the other Corey Haim's brother. brother. Corey, Corey Feldman is the, the vampire fr- hunter. The Frog kid. Brothers. The yeah, the, the other guy I forget his fucking name. <laughs> There's like five sequels to this or something with just about the Frog Brothers, and they're not good. Which is I mean very I can't, I can't very say sad. that assuredly. I've watched I have watched two of them. You know what? I can say this. I've not watched any of them, and I guarantee you they're crap. Yeah, they're not good. Yeah. Uh, but Because you know what? This is fun. It's not great. No, it's not great, but it's so stylish. It's oh, such yeah. a, like The Crow, it's such a period of, like a, a, like a portrait of its time. Tread lightly here. No, I think The Crow is a much better film than Lost Boys. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to people who disagree, but like, it, I think it's a much better film, but... They're such stylistically a product of their time of like the way people are dressed and sure, the cool sure. rock aspect of well, it. Well, the crow is also based on a comic though. Yeah. Which is super different from the comic in many ways too. Oh, okay. Yeah. The comic was a, for comic 
people who were collecting alternative comics when The Crow came out, mm-hmm. it was a huge deal. It was like, I remember I saw that crying. in the Rolling Stones article. I remember, I bet. <laughs> I remember crying reading the comic going like, this is so emotional. And then watching the movie going, this is more of an action movie and I'm not feeling the emotion as much. I get it, yeah. You know? But anyway, um, this is... It's fun. It's still fun. It's goofy. It's it still doesn't fun. all work. I love Edward uh, 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 Herman in here. I love that he's such a great red herring yeah. uh, in it. As you know, spoilers. He's Dracula or whatever, and uh, and so <laughs> um, I love him. The the reveal when he's like, "That's why I love you, Margaret," and like he does this like crazy thing. And you're like, of all the women in this town, and we've looked around, there's a hot fucking woman, and it's a California beach town. They're like in San Francisco or something. Diane Weist is the one, you're like, you're my everything. Hey, (laughs) don't dog on Diane Weist, okay? I got it for her. Okay, all right, sure. I don't get it, but that's fine. Fine actress, fine actress. Fine, fine actress i don't know i like i've always been mixed about the lost boys but i always have fun watching it i think it's because people champion it to a level i'm like calm down well i think people need to realize you know rest in peace uh john or joel schumacher but he wasn't like good and uh and so i feel bad for dogging on him because he's dead (laughs) but like his movies weren't like not uh, good he's a director who tried very hard to do very stylistic films and sometimes like that there'd be that's all there like there are films that you're like this movie sucks but the stylistic the look of it is the awesome look, right i mean i mean even batman and robin you're like it's a beautiful looking batman film. forever and batman and robin like say what you will about the movies because there's a lot to say uh <laughs> but like they are his style for sure yeah and like he had a point of view of the way that he looked at things so like yeah he did that in like out of the gates even with lost boys yeah yeah well there's mainly just the previously existing stuff out there uh the audio commentary with joel schumacher uh retrospective about 24 minute retrospective i mean honestly i rewatched a lot of these because it's been so long since i saw it mm-hmm. i had questions i rewatched about half of these and there's a lot of stuff Wait, that what was questions did over. you have just about the making of it no oh. i was hoping that i would discover like a modern day Look back, there is not one. I see, that's what I w- wish about some of I mean, these. The, like the Lost Boys retrospective, modern day for when the Blu-ray originally came out. So yeah. that's what I, I I wish for some of these 4K releases where they like, well, you know, this is what you're known for, Jason Patrick, and like, what you don't you didn't like Narc, and uh, so like I don't know why they don't get some of these people just to, like, okay, it's 2020, 2021, let's talk about this real quick. Like, yeah, it was it was crazy. Uh, Joel <laughs> Schumacher said, you know. You know, it was like, just say Michael a lot, and then, then you're fine. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of saying Michael. Michael! <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I get anyone who totally loves this film. I'm like, I like this film. You know what? You're fucking stupid. The scene where they're hanging on off the bridge is a great sequence. And yeah. In fact, the cover they put out for this, and I think there's it's actually, actually the artwork for the, the 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 4K is actually really cool. It's actually one of I think two or three different covers they put out. So we got the one where they're hanging under the bridge. Is it? Oh, really? Yeah. But like, okay, that's really cool. Like, yeah, I, I like that. that's one of the best scenes in the movie where they're hanging under the bridge and going, "Come on, Michael, jump, jump." It's, it's a really good idea. Yeah. It, like, it just that that sequence is a really good idea. Well, we have to move on to stuff you've never heard of. Oh, fuck. And so we're going to go to Evil Dead Trap 2. I, so I have the, all the DVDs and Blu-rays and 4Ks in front of me. Yeah. And I took 
Lost Boys out, and I saw this, I'm like, oh no, Evil Dead Trap Two, Hideki, who which has literally nothing to do with Evil Dead Trap One. And honestly, I couldn't be more glad because I didn't really care for Evil Dead Trap 1. The only reason I even rented the fucking thing in the first place back in the day is because it had Evil Dead in the title. This is insinuating that you cared for this one. I kind of did, actually. So that's the end of Digital Noise. No, this reminds me of some of the stuff that you also didn't care for as much as I did over the years here Uh, uh uh, doing this, which is like the weird Asian horror serial killer stuff that's come out. I'm just like... I kind of like this. And this is a very disturbing and different serial killer story with a female serial killer. Sure. Who, and I'm sorry, this is a little bit of spoiler, but honestly, this is not a heavily plot. You're not going to watch thing. this. <laughs> you, I honestly think you kind of should if you're a serious hardcore horror fan where it's, it's a woman who works, crazy. who's a very nerdy, who works as a projectionist yeah. uh, in a theater and her best friend is kind of more of a, like a hottie type thing. It's unclear why they're best friends, but whatever. Well, the, uh, like, yeah, the, the main, uh, uh, school together i assume right yeah uh, the, the main actress she's overweight and so she's yeah. like has feelings about that and then she's like seeing her best friend who is a lot more like outgoing and she's like fucking people all the time and like she's like at parties and they're all doing coke and she's like i don't want to do this and uh and she's getting hit on by the like, creepy old men this movie is very uncomfortable by the way yeah but i that's what's good about it I guess. I guess. Yeah. Also, the movie is like eight hours long. It's kind of no, it's not. It's not eight hours long, but it felt it's like, like an it, hour and a half or so. It was interminably long. I really enjoyed this. Actually, I did not. I mean, granted, I appreciated it because the okay. Well, hold on, I, hold on. Let me do the plot first here. Okay, so, which is a spoiler plot. So if you don't want to know. I mean, come on. Again, you can see it coming. Like, the movie itself is like, we expect you to figure this out early on. But the idea is that the nerdy girl is the killer. Bodies are showing up. And she's killing women and cutting out their fucking uteruses, like, graphically and horribly. Yeah. Like, which is a kind of a new thing for horror. And it it turns out it's because she herself had an abortion and now is, like, having trouble processing that. So that's her thing. I don't remember that part at all. That's her therapy is cutting out other, murdering other women. I will give her this. Like, going for broke and, like, how fucked up you can, like, make a character, it does it very well. Because it feels like it's something that... I would try to do like what if I was like doing like a crazy like video nasty like yeah let's make it kind of really fucking crazy and it does it well but it's just like it's more gruesome also in concept than it is in, in actually presentation yeah. yeah which it's, which I appreciate because I don't want to see someone's uterus <laughs> being pulled out you know sure sure yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm saying sure uh, <laughs> it's like I guess I've so. thought about this a lot you, you prude <laughs> uh, but. I mean, man, I don't know. I don't know who the hell this is for. This is for me. I, sh- yeah. I liked it. I love Asian horror because it doesn't give a fuck. I love Asian horror fuck. too, but like, it doesn't give a fuck. But like, I don't know if it was like presented the best way possible. Like, I thought it was, it dragged quite a bit. Um, and it, like, I did, I will say, I did not know where the fuck it was going to go. Because definitely towards the end, it was like, what the fuck is happening? Also, for both film, Evil Dead uh trap films i've never watched the third one there is a third one oh, which also has not nothing gonna, to do with the, the others watch this but um oh i so am if it comes out oh um, god damn but, it like it has nothing to do with the evil dead i don't know why the no. title is associated it doesn't even like not even visually or thematically or anything no. there's no connection with the evil dead i have movies. to say that i felt like tricked when i i because i because 
I guess like other people, or maybe the, that's not the, what the, that was their original intent was to trick people to like Evil Dead. You like Evil Dead? Watch this. Here's Evil, Evil Dead, Dead trap. And I totally felt like tricked a little bit when I'm watching this. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, and also the title doesn't make any sense. Like, why is it called Evil Dead Trap at all? Like, I I don't know. I, it has nothing to do with anything. It has nothing to do with yeah, anything. But this is also very common for Asian horror. Sure. Or sure. E- any Asian film in this period of time where it's like, you know, they'll be like, oh, well, this film was huge. Let's title it the same, but two. And then it has nothing to do thematically or actors or anything. It was, it was an old school, like, yeah. uh, Italian thing that they were doing. It yeah. was like, yeah, it's like, oh, it's uh, uh, The Living Dead, uh, like, part five or yeah. Jaws 8. And you're like, hey, uh, Zombie 2 is pretty good. Zombie 2. Zombie 2 is pretty good. Okay. Which is technically, uh, the, I think they marked it in Italy as Dawn of the Dead 2. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. But um, zombie 2 is, in fact, good because you get to see a zombie fight a shark and holy shit. It's scary. Anyway, there's barely any extras on this. We've reached the lightning round here because we've got to move through a bunch of shit Uh-oh. until we get to stuff we want to talk about longer towards the end. Okay. Next one is Oblong Box. Uh, this is released by Kino Lorber. As usual, if it's a Vincent Price film, we're reviewing it. Mm, yes. Sorry, I love Vincent Price. 1969 gothic horror film directed by Gordon Hessler, also starring Christopher Lee. Hell mm. yeah, Christopher Lee. In a much more subdued role. Like, he's not in it that much, is he? Um, Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's 1865. Um, We see that this, char- Allen Poe this character, Sir Edward Markham, played by Alistair Williamson, uh, has was involved in African voodoo ceremonies like an explorer, just like his brother, Julian, played by Vincent Price. But apparently he fucked up somehow and was totally disfigured, even though when you eventually see his long withheld through the movie disfigurement, you're like, that's not really that bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you got some acne scars, you're fine. I think he's still going to get laid more than me. <laughs> but it's like Vincent Price is like, the, the, they've got the family, Mons. And uh, he's been keeping his brother locked in his room, who is very guilty about the whole situation. No, brother, please don't do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they're like, what if we get this witch doctor, which I don't know what he's doing in London, but okay, uh, to concoct a drug to put the brother into a death-like trance. They can find, in quotes, the brother, put him in a coffin. The oblong box at the time. Oh, that's what that was referring to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just go, well, he's dead now, so the brother owns everything and yada, yada. But um, here's the end. Like, the, the brother now is like, okay, I'm due. I, I'm done taking care of him now. All the shit that was taking up my life because he's kind of crazy as well. And I can marry my fiance. But the thing is, is that uh, the brother in question isn't actually dead and survives the experience. And now he's out for revenge and blackmail and weird sort of black page. Like, I figured he was going to come out and just start stabbing people, but he's more just sort of like contacting associates and blackmailing and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very like long con blackmail and murder. Like, okay. And it's based loosely on an Edgar Allan Poe story, I guess. Um, it I, says the classic tale of the living dead. Yeah. I don't know. But um, either way, I'll say this is not one of the better Vincent Price, Edgar Allan Poe vehicles. There's no. Vincent Price is in all of the best Edgar Allan Poe vehicles. This is not really one of them. No, I uh, unfortunately thought this was uh boring, boring. It's, pr- uh, it's pretty dull. It's pretty dull. It goes on for a very long time before things shit, shit starts actually. Happening. The movie is 80 hours long. It's got a great cover though. 
I like the cover. Yeah, I mean the presentation of the the Blu-ray is pretty cool, but you know it, it's fun to see Vincent Price do anything, and yeah. you know it doesn't. When the brother gets going, you don't see enough of Vincent Price after that. You're like, oh, God, come on, just get 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 back in there because like no, you're right. Vincent Price is kooky and he's fun to watch, and him talking about anything, and also him talking to his very young wife is also. <laughs> Very funny. That's literally almost every Vincent Price movie ever. Or, or uh, we had two uh, uh, anthology collections recently, and every single one is Vincent Price with like a wife who's like 170 years younger than him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I like just, my age. <laughs> how does Courtney feel? I like. I just I I just love that Hollywood was just like just give him a you know a 22 year old wife and like it's Vincent Price. Like everyone thinks he's straight. It's fine. Pretty. Typical in Hollywood across the board. No, I mean, that's English cinema, though, not even Hollywood. Right, right, right. But still, it was like, with this actor we have that's legendary, it's like... (laughs) With Sir Arthur Gilgood, who's like, <laughs> who's dating a nineteen-year-old, but my wife, uh, like, <laughs> like we can get through these hard times. There was a time that in Hollywood, people just went, "Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure." But Vincent Price, yeah, yeah, he's he's fine. He can Dude, date it. Nice I gotta tell you, I just watched Spirited recently, which I love. Spirited, the one with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, the Christmas Carol remix one on Apple oh. Plus. I loved it. Really loved Nathan. It. Hated it. Well, but Nathan is wrong almost all the time. Nathan, I hope you're listening to this yeah. episode. Sorry, I love you as a person, Nathan, but you are wrong about like movies. Just literally, if you say something and I agree with you on something, I'm always like, I should reconsider my. Opinion. I will say, you can listen to Nathan Flynn on the next episode of <laughs> Trash in the Can that's being released this week for just in time for Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know. Why did I bring bring that up anyway? <laughs> there's a whole thing. Ryan Reynolds. Is Vincent Price in it? Vincent Price is not. His his ghost? Yeah, no. I don't remember. But anyway, I'm glad I threw a plug in because you guys should watch Spirited. It's really good. Yeah. We will not watch that movie. But you should. It's fantastic. Uh, The Amusement Park is the next film releasing. Oh, fuck. Which has been on Shudder for some time. Which has also been on Trash in the Can, released on oneofus.net. Which I feel like it's weird it's been on Trash in the Can because I don't think this is a terrible movie. I do i know and it's we've had this discussion many times fuck look first off to make him look bad as i feel like i should you're pointing to this me this is a george george romero making this film it was re-released you know how many good movies george romero has made quite a few three okay more than three how many martin uh-huh night of the living dead two dawn of the dead yep the music uh, three <laughs> wait creep show creep show he, but he he didn't direct all the 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 stories, did he? I thought he did. No, I don't think he did. Did he not? I don't. I don't know. Actually, I think he did. I don't think he did. I don't know. Creepshow's not great, but it's pretty good. Oh my! Get the fuck out of here. He's done three good movies, and, he, and like, I will I'll go I will, with Creepshow. Is good. Here's the thing. I will give you Bruiser. That movie. Bruiser is good. Yeah, yeah. Bruiser's I forgot good. about Bruiser. Yeah. Bruiser was good. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a fucking idiot. So we're okay, at five. Okay. Oh fuck you. Okay, amusement uh, park uh, is a <laughs> bullshit. Just like I'm gonna take these like Christian right right wing nut job like money and try to make a like a crazy psychedelic movie, and it is boring and stupid and weird, and I don't like it. Wow. Yeah. It's, Tell us how you really feel, right? I don't think George A. Romero Look, is that good. This is a <laughs> okay. I'm not. I like that he is like a George Corman, but in Philly 
George you know, Corman or, or, or Roger Corman, uh, like sort of esque, like just like bootstraps kind of filmmaker. Okay. But like, but this is like one very early in his career. He was taking a film for money, but I think he had made Not the Living Dead, and that's about it at this point. But basically, you know? he was doing like commercial work. Yeah, it's a work for hire project. Yeah, uh, his wife is the one who thought after that because he never wanted to re release it, and his wife was after his death was like, I genuinely think this is good, and the. 90 something percent reviews on Rotten Tomatoes would suggest the right is perhaps fucking the nerds. minority. Fuck, yeah, listen to Trash in the Can. We dog shit all over this movie. But that being said, it's not like this, it's not a movie. It, it is a PSA. It's a PSA. It's just a yeah, really totally. good PSA about, which I've never seen a PSA before now about elderly abuse. And it, that's what it's about, but done in this weird, creepy metaphor of a guy who, like, Goes into a room, older man, encounters himself, who's all beaten up, who's like, don't go through that door, man. Uh, You're not going to like what you see. Don't do it. You're not going to like what you see. And he goes through the door anyway, and he goes through very often. Oh, it's an amusement park. This is going to be nice. And it gets hassled by young people the entire time for 45 minutes. Okay. Maybe it's just... Thrilling stuff. Maybe it's just because you're so young. I I see. Okay. Now I understand. You can relate to this. I can relate to this movie. (laughs) Only because it feels like it's coming quickly. (laughs) (laughs) See, being a very, 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 very young person. Very young. Very young. You're essentially a fetus. Essentially a fetus. I can't relate to this. Like, fuck old people. And uh, and so, uh, it like, the thing is, I I understand it as a PSA. Like, I here's the thing. Five minutes in. I got it. I get what this is. I thought it kept being interesting. I, I was don't like, think it was I, interesting. I don't. I, you would want to be one. No, I'm going to go so far as to say this is not still not good. It's fascinating, but it's not good. Why is it fascinating? Because the aspect of the period of time of Romero sneaking this pot back past the, story, the Lutheran church who sure, paid for it. Sure, you the, know, the story is very interesting. This very abstract, weird fucking movie sure, about but, like, uh, like there is no other abstract, weird movie about elderly rights. There is none. This is the only one. Right. And I'm just sure. kind of like, I'm kind of given this full credit for being like, it's really trying to be better than the money he was paid for doing it. And I think it accomplishes that. But that being said, this was never meant to be played in theaters or something. And you, you know? can see why. You know, it's it's very cheap. It's, you know, but... I will say I will say this. The lead actor is giving it his all. Yeah, actor Michael Gornick. Yeah. I believe, who also served as assistant cameraman. Fuck uh, this movie. But God damn it. tons... If you saw this on Shudder, which is where it premiered... Yeah. Um, and you were like, this is fascinating, and I love Romero, like any sane person would. Um, other than his glasses, I've always had issues with his glasses choices. I was always like, oh, our dear departed oh, Romero. Too big. The weird thick lens thing, like not thick oh, lenses, like, but the thick frames and everything. I'm yeah, just they're, like, too, they're big. They're too big. They're big. Yeah, I never understood the glass choice. It's like but, old man glasses. Yeah. Well, he was an old man. Well, he was always an old man. Uh, but anyway, there's an audio commentary from Michael Gornick, who was there, who apparently lived, despite playing a guy who's like near death in here, lived for 35 years after we this. Did, we did see that. It was like, uh, holy shit, this man's been alive for fucking years. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, there's reopening the park for 12 minutes, which is a recent interview with the late, the wife of the late director who talks about his career and uh, like her decision to try and get this to happen. There's a recent interview with script girl, Bonnie Hinsman, 
uh, who briefly appears in the film and about her memories of working with Romero stories in the set for your amusement, uh, which is um, from resident George A. Romero foundation artist, Ryan Carr, speaking about his love of horror films and collaborations with the company panel interview for 20, 30 minutes, virtual roundtable interview in from June, 2021 with Suzanne Romero um, restoration producer, Sandra Schulberg, longtime Romero collaborator, Greg Nicotero. Yay. Greg Nicotero. Uh, he's the special effects artist who many people feel oh, like. Oh, yeah, is. for Walking like, Dead. He's he's the guy who I'm like, he is the guy who the torch was handed off to as being the practical effects guy for right. horror at for this point. Stan from, Winston from, from um, him? Not Stan Winston. I would say more like uh, Savini. Oh, Savini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Handing it off to him. Uh, the amusement park official brochure, which is uh, not, a fi- it sounds like it's a physical thing, but it's not a small gallery featuring high resolution scanned images from vin- a vintage black and white brochure promoting the film. The original script, which is just a few dozen scanned images of the sh- short script from here and a uh, 26 black and white photo stills from here. But if you are a fan of this and you're really, really a George Romero guy, they made a solid set. There's a lot of stuff in here, but I'll read this one little line from the back of the Blu-ray. It says, stunning, psychedelic, thought-provoking stuff. The <laughs> fact that they say stuff. I thought it was thought-provoking. You get it after five minutes. This movie's bullshit. All right. Well, next we've got disturbing behavior. Not talking about bullshit. This is a movie that has always been on my, I probably should watch this, but I don't really want to watch this. I feel the same way. You know, like I feel the same way. 1998, it was that film, it was that movie. So, like, look at the, the saturation in this this cover. It's got a, it always it, had a terrible poster. It always looked terrible. But it was one of those, like, here's a bunch of young teen stars who turned out to be pretty big stars. James yeah. Marsden, Katie Holmes, and Nick Stahl. Like, in the, in the poster, for some reason, Nick Stahl and James Marsden look the same like they're almost like they do. how do we like make them look whiter and the same person <laughs> yeah it is pretty washed out that's it's for sure. crazy um and directed by david nutter who was one of the big director producers on the x-files and this oh. was coming out in the heyday of that and you get that it has sort of a you can see totally. why where that would have come from yeah, like yeah. oh but it's also basically the stepford wives just set in high school yeah, yeah. With, it, it goes to really ridiculous points towards the end where uh, you're just like, well, wait, wait, because the implication is that, OK, these kids have been uh, rewired, but they could be unwired. And there's a part in towards the end is like, OK, 30 kids just died. <laughs> so, like, wait, was something not going to be said about this at all? Well, James Marsden is the new kid. Coming in high school senior. He's the Jason cradle, Patrick of the, the... Exactly. Yeah. Cradle Bay. Uh, just, you know, very much like, oh, it's this picturesque community here. Uh, and nobody really knows him. Holy shit, uh, it's Lost Boys, but with like, you know, mental like craziness. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they moved from Chicago because the eldest son in the family has committed suicide. Uh, and everybody's kind of fucked up about it. In his high school, he gets to be friends with the bad boys, but not vampires in the Mixed school. Out. I mean, like the cool bad boys who are like, oh, we're the nerds. Yeah. They're the nerds. Yeah. Like They're not bad boys. They're just the ones that like all the, the preppies and the jocks are just like, you fucking nerds. Well, the preppies and the jocks are called the blue ribbons, and they're like a little too overtly organized right off the bat and overtly it's like... It's called Christianity. Yeah. Um, a very preppy, clean-cut, overachiever types. Christianity. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. I didn't want to say it, but okay. Uh, and then, of course, it... it 
that comes clear shortly afterwards that in fact these people have been anybody part of this thing it's a cult but a cult done by technology yeah of like parents who are like i'm tired of our kids not doing what we tell them to do i mean this is just so th- there's got to be a better way this is such a product of the 90s where it's just it's, like we're like oh fear of like of uh of fitting in of this you know this is like the natural film for sci-fi in this period where you've got movies that are all about like, Oh, how cool it was the alternative scene that was happening at yeah, that point. Yeah. But the idea that parents who can't accept it going, what if we just put a chip in our kid's head to make them behave? It's, it's, it's very much, it's very much of its time, but it's very uh, cute in the way that it's presenting all of it because <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a ridiculous idea. It's not good though. I had kind of fun with this. Oh God. Look, it's look, pretty bad. It's it's bad, but like there are times in it, like it's like I can't believe they're going there because there there are moments where like uh, it never really goes anywhere interesting though. Oh, I would argue slightly against that. Like okay. I would falter very quickly because they're like you would have a really good argument and I'd be like, oh well, you're right. Yeah, I don't have one. I'm just like I might. My ultimate reaction was just like, okay. Well, what I'll say is that everyone is giving it a hundred percent. Like, I think Katie Holmes is not a bad actress at all. I think Nick Stahl is a fantastic actor, and James Morrison is pretty good, too. Yeah. And they're treating this very seriously, where it's a really stupid idea. It's a very dumb idea. It's a very dumb idea. It's like, it's someone like David Nutter pitching this in X-Files, and they're like, shut up. And uh, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to make a movie out of this. <laughs> and they did. And it's... <laughs> It's not the best idea because it runs because if you it's one of those movies and the stories, if you start to think about it, like, but wait a minute, what about that? What about this? Like, do you think that no one like started to question this? And you and the doctor who is I forget the actor's name. Oh, fuck. Uh, it's uh, uh, the, the not William Sadler. Uh, William Sadler is great. Also oh, kind of problematic. Awesome. He's the best problem. Best part of, of he's the, the best problem. In this he's. Movie. he's problematic but only to the point where you realize that oh but he's not actually he's um his performance is there is like is a sort of a red herring type of thing right also i just saw the music is done by mark snow he did music for the x-files i know the music actually is pretty good it is um but it's it's very 90s it's so much 90s drenched in the 90s drenched in the 90s but there are points when i was kind of like shocked where it went to more r-rated stuff and barely barely but also still for like you know if i was a teenager which i was when this came out because you know um you were 82 and i was like i don't know 14 and uh and so like watching this if i did because i've never seen this before until now uh, I would have been like, oh, this is slightly titillating, and uh, but also for not the right reasons, and uh, yeah. and, oh, and also appearances by Bruce Greenwood, which I that's know. what I wanted to say. Bruce, yeah, Greenwood, Bruce Greenwood is, is the, the villain; he's the bad guy. He's Steve bad Rails guy. back, a legendary bad movie actor, has appearances as Officer Cox. Oh, he's the officer, yeah. Officer Cox. Yeah, oh. and then Ethan Embry, a young Ethan Embry. That's who's the brother who killed himself. Yeah. Like that's what I was trying to think of, Ethan Embry. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, I. It's not good. If you want to watch, if this is this is one of those movies that should only be played at a house party in two thousand and seven <laughs> at an Austin house, and the specific type of house, very yeah. yeah, specific type of house, hipster house, where everyone's drinking, and then you're walking by a TV and like, what the fuck, Katie Holmes, and James <laughs> Marston, what the fuck is this? That's yeah. the only 
time this movie should be played. I just was the whole time watching this. I'm like, why wouldn't you just watch the faculty instead? Which well, is not even that great of a movie either. Here's the thing. I but... think people did. <laughs> <laughs> I think people just like, why don't we just watch the faculty instead? Uh, there's an audio commentary by the director, David Nutter. There's a few deleted scenes uh, for about 24 minutes and then the original trailer. And that's it. And we're Did move- you watch any of that? Nope. I did not either. Wow. Okay. So why'd you bring it up? Because I wanted to make sure that David Nutter knew that. Because he's, <laughs> he's listening to this review. He's like, oh... And then we have this is Guar. We've talked about this before on the sh- on the show. We actually had a there was a Screener Squad review of I this. I hosted this. Uh, oh, did episode. you? Yes. You know, I have a lot of experience with the band Guar. I'm not even the world's biggest Guar fan in terms of their music. I don't think anybody really is, to be honest. But look, even though they were nominated for a Grammy, look, I ha- I have not had any experience. I'm not a fan. I watched the movie. This is fascinating. I love it, and I appreciate them. But that's it. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought there was a butt. Coming. No, no. I, I think that, well, there's a lot pretty of butts in this movie. Butt. <laughs> pretty big butt. Uh, but the, I liked it that they are the original D&D nerds that made rock music and then wanted to just say fuck you to the music industry. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know if they wanted to say fuck you to the music industry. I guess they didn't really want to. I think they to. were just like an art collective. Th- yeah, that were like exactly. A bunch of like, I don't give a shit about anything. I just like to get high. I like to role play role playing games and read comic books and create art. And we like heavy metal music and punk. And let's just do a thing just, just for ourselves. And that was right. literally... Having lived in Richmond as this was just starting to happen. This must have been very close to you. Yeah. Like the guy who is the sort of tragic figure of this, Dave Brocky, who was the lead singer of the band and one of the founders, Odorous Ungras, was my next door neighbor. Like we hung out all the time. We were friends. Sorry. Yeah. He was my next door neighbor. How are you not on this review? I know. How was I not on this movie? You mean? Well, I'll see why. I would have had things to say. I mean, I see good things. He was a great guy. He was a really, really, really nice guy. But I watched it happen. I've been to the Guar Studios as it was like fomenting as everything was coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Watching them make the pieces. I've seen Guar probably 20 times, you know, like, but all in Richmond. I think I saw him here once, but like, it was one of those things. Guar is playing. Let's go see Guar. Sure. Just wear your crappiest t-shirt because it's not going to survive. It's going to get yeah. bloody. Because there is a band, they would go up there, it was a ridiculous sci-fi heavy metal craziness where they were splattering fake blood and It was basically the Gallagher the of, of music. Yeah, but with, instead of watermelon, like gore, it was gore. Gore <laughs> and cum and vomit and piss. Right. But not real. So you're not actually, I mean, it's just like harmless shit going on you but it was supposed to be that and it was all very political like they would always be assassinating republican figures and religious figures on stage and stuff and had a plot and a story and it was really fun the music was not great but it wasn't terrible terrible but it was like nobody is like oh the best thing about guar was the music because nobody would say that including guar this documentary really gets into the heart of this project and what was going actually on with the creativity of it and it's enchanting watching it even if you couldn't or like I would never go see these guys. This is a delightful watch. It's great. I I uh, was definitely won over by the the people that were uh, that created this. It wasn't just one or two people, as they would say. Uh, it was definitely a collective, and I thought it was a really interesting idea because I did not know anything about Guar, at least to the the extent that the documentary goes into that. 
it was um, <clears throat> basically one of the last, like, it felt like late g- g- art collectives yeah. that got together that wanted to do something and they inadvertently made a band that, or some kind of statement that ended up becoming bigger than they thought ever, ever thought that it would. Uh, no, would. believe me, they had no idea it was going to go where. It right. Like, and it's, it's not even that big. Like, I don't know, like you know, the normal, like, you know, John Q that would know who the hell Guar was. Yeah. But definitely us nerds. Yeah. Well, uh, when it was know, happening in Richmond, everyone in Virgin- Richmond, Virginia knew who Guar was, right. but it wasn't really known outside of that. It was a local band. Right. It was doing this thing. And, but before you knew it, I remember moving here in 92, not that, you know, right from Richmond, and within a year, people here were like, have you heard of this band, Guar? And like they were coming and touring here and people were like selling out shows and right. it turned into this huge thing because nobody was doing that. The, what I love about the documentary is not only knowing or learning about how it was all created, but also just the trials and tribulations and tragedies yeah. that they all went through. Well, I mean, Dave Brocky himself died, sadly, of yeah. cancer. Uh, like I said, really good guy happened relatively quickly. Um, very unfortunate, but also just the, as you said, the trials and tribulations, there was a lot of sort of, there was a little bit of like artist ego, uh, conflict going on with like, who really is in charge here? Who is making the decisions here? Who's making the right decisions and watching that story here, which is not played for schadenfreude. It's played for a sort of amount of empathy, really, of like, here's right. an amazing project, and it's kind of sad in retrospect that these guys couldn't you know, just get See, on the same eye to eye. page. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's like the sequence where it's about the guy that um, they get shot by the cops or whatever. Yeah. Or was it by the cops? Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then pulled over, and like two of the band members will run, and one of them just stays with the other one. And like, he's like nearly dying. It's like, geez, this is the most thrilling stuff I've seen in a documentary in a very long time. It's, yeah. it's really well put together. And like, there's a lot of like, um, still animated sequences that they put in there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a really well done documentary. I, I remember loving watching it when I first saw it, uh, for screener squad. And, uh, I, I loved it. And, um, yeah, it is one of those, that, like, even if you don't care anything about Guar or you have feelings that are like specific to like, why would I ever care about Guar? Right. This is worth going out of your way for. It's a fascinating little thing. Like uh-huh. I had never heard of a band called death, like uh, the band called death. And there's a documentary from a 24 called a band called death. They were like a pre punk, all black band that like nobody knew existed. Like really like, and it's just, I'd never heard of them. And I watched that documentary. I was like, this is a, astonishing and beautiful and haunting and i'd love it wow and i now care about these guys not enough to actually go buy the albums but i'm sure you will when you watch it okay because well, you're a vinyl guy okay, but you well, know but i'm just saying it's like that you can watch this and go this story is fascinating you're right right yeah and if you are already a fan of guar and you've seen this on shutter or on vod or something they didn't fuck around here at all with the VOD release because it is loaded with special features yeah. for fans. There's audio commentary from Guar members Bob Gorman and Mike Dirks who uh, just go and give the context to the footage that you're seeing here. Lots more stories. Behind the scenes of a Guar sto- show, a four-minute piece uh, about looking about how long it takes to get everything in place just to do it, which admittedly, I mean, I've seen them build it. And it's like, this is like watching a crowd of like 20 people just 
frantically running to build everything and make sure it's working and that sperm is going to fly when it's supposed to. And the practical effects fly. in this, like the, what they do is astounding. And like the, the bootstrap and like just no budget nature of what they're doing is incredible. This Ethan Embry, who I deeply love now. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. He's been like, he's one of those guys like initially, like you're just another young actor look, and now look. he's done enough great stuff. I'm like, come on, you're amazing. But he he's, come- he's our Facebook friend. Okay. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Well, maybe we're, we're friends with him. Paying attention, Ethan. Ethan Give us a shout Ethan, out. Ethan, like, let's um, tag him in this. There's a three minute conversation with a bunch of people, uh, in the legend of Guar. I'm sorry, but Ethan Embry talks about Guar on empire records through his, like how there's a connection there between. Oh them. yeah. 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 The yeah. legend of Guar is for the three minute conversation with people who are talking about, uh, the mythology of Guar. Last interview ever with Dave, Dave Brocky before he died. Eleven minute virtual interview. Um, Guar from the outside. A nine minute series of interviews in which uh, people talk about the internal community of Guar and the space and uh, that they are involved in the music scene. Four pillars of Guar. A six minute piece on the rough and tumble living conditions in the early days of the band and like having seen they're, that, they're gross. Yeah, they were. They were. It was this communal space that they were just kind of like. Like, look, there's like a shit ton of people just staying here who have no money and they're putting in everything that they can get working like service industry bits on the side to like pay for these big latex creations that they're doing because they all believed in it. Yeah. Pu- putting all your money into the art like that. That's like, wow, that it, it did. It it did remind me of when I first moved to Austin yeah. when we're like we're putting all our money into a piece to get it done with yeah. like. A film or whatever it or a is. Lego set. Look, I'm rich now. I can do what the <laughs> fuck I want. Okay. <laughs> uh, Slave Pit walkthrough with Michael Bishop. A 29 minute tour of Guar's workspace, which believe me, you want to see because it was amazing. Uh, message from the Scum Dogs of the Universe, which is the name of the the, the band. Really. Um, a two minute message to the con- to the people who are buying this from the current members of Guar, <laughs> who are there to tell you this is all bullshit. None of it is true. I. <laughs> Watch any of the uh, the interviews uh, of them on anything pub- like uh, you know like Oprah or whatever it is. Yeah, like they they get they're like the original or like they're on the same page as uh, like Andy Kaufman, like just making fun of it. Yeah, they're playing characters. Yeah, and like what's so funny is that still the interviewer is not getting it. Yeah. It's great. I love when that happens. It's it's great. They and, were not prepared at all for what they, who right. they were talking about. And like to. they they understood and what what's so smart about the Guar in general is that they understood the comedy behind it. Because it's ridiculous. But also they understood that like, yeah, we're in practical effects and makeup and crazy makeup and all this kind of shit. But like the fact that we're getting known and but we're gonna go as character yeah. to this is like that's brilliant. It really is. Uh, give this a chance. If you've never even occurred to you to like pay any attention to Guar, it's like you've heard the name of the band probably, but uh, like seriously worth your time. Unfortunately, we are going to have to cut shorter than all the films I hope to ca- uh, capture this week because I've just run out of time for my evening. I've got stuff that I promised my wife I would do. And, mm. uh, and you can't be late when you promise your wife you'll be at something. So I don't have a wife, so I don't know. Well, but you remember what it was like to kind of have a wife. Someday. Oh my God! Are we singing at the end of this? Hooray! I've been waiting for this. Sing that song that you just learned. Someday, someday we'll finish this digital noise, and we will watch the rest of this movies. Someday we'll finish this DN. 
and then we'll have more movies. I don't know if you'll care by then, but we'll have more movies then for you. Reviews.